liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Liberty Lockdown. It's been a while since I recorded. I had COVID and I was down for the count for a solid week. I'm feeling much better, not to worry. Uh, fever was crazy. Thought for about an hour that I was going to have to go to the hospital, but uh, my brother, or my, my breathing rather, was never in jeopardy. So I was able to tough it out. And uh, yeah, I got back to Miami a couple days ago. And the, uh, I don't know, everything's good, man. COVID sucks. It's uh, it's real, unfortunately. Uh, but I survived and uh, not not any worse for the wear. I, I don't think I'll have any long COVID or anything like that. In fact, I'm going to go hit the gym as soon as I post this. So I'm excited to get back to life. Thank goodness. Uh, today, actually, there is an episode dropping me on tinfoil hat with Sam Tripoli, which was quite the bucket list item for me. Uh, it's a great episode. We really, really, really go deep into the conspiracy theory world. Um, talk about whether or not nuclear bombs are real, which I didn't expect to discuss that. And we talk about ESG in depth. Uh, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, Larry Fink, BlackRock, the whole, the whole kabang. Uh, I think that Sam really enjoyed it, and I, I hope you guys will too. So make sure you go over there and uh, and check that episode out. Let him know that you guys appreciate him having me on. So hopefully he'll do it again in the future because uh, I really. Really enjoyed it. Um, today's episode is an unbelievable combination. I don't even know how this happened, but I had on Jack Murphy, who has had quite the controversial, I don't know, six months or so. Um, just as you guys probably already would expect, I'm not a drama streamer, so I didn't invite him on to read him the riot act or do anything like that. I think he's an interesting thinker, and I wanted to discuss some real serious topics. And talked about fatherhood and a bunch of other uh, stuff too. But in terms of like, if you're just tuning in to see me yell at Jack or him lash out at me for, you know, asking him something messed up, it's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. Uh, but I think the the conversation itself is very valuable and you will enjoy it a lot. So I hope you guys will uh, stay tuned for that one. And then after that, I have Judge Andrew Napolitano talking about Supreme Court, the assassination attempt against uh, Judge Kavanaugh, or attempt or alleged attempt, who knows what the truth is. Uh, but uh, between those two, you couldn't ask for much better. I mean, this is this is a hell of an episode. It really is. And before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsor for today's... <coughs> before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Young, Young Americans for Liberty. If you are the type that's listening to this young guy, doesn't have any clue what they're going to do in the political realm, but you are liberty-minded, this is a great opportunity for you to consider. Um, they are looking currently for election coordinators. So what does it mean to be an election coordinator? They are the front lines for liberty on Young Americans for Liberty endorsed deployments. Election coordinators will flood the district for an authentic liberty candidate through grassroots door knocking. This is not a volunteer position. Not a volunteer position. It means you get paid. This is an opportunity to dive headfirst into the political action world, serve as a real-life field staffer, meet lifelong friends, and travel the country. 
Each election coordinator will deploy in an assigned district serving on location and meeting real people every single day. Training will be conducted on site and team members will work with a partner to achieve their goals. Election coordinators get this. Check it out. Up to $2,800 a month starting pay. 100% free housing. That's very nice. And then gas reimbursement, which if you looked at the pump lately, yeah, that's a nice that's a nice add-on too. Uh, they want to ensure that they have the best talent pool possible to elect pro-liberty candidates, and they are willing to pay to ensure that they win at the door. If you are at all interested in being an election coordinator, go to yaliberty.org forward slash knock. That's K-N-O-C-K. So that's Y-A, like young Americans, liberty.org forward slash knock. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of Liberty Lockdown. As I am want to do from time to time, I will have a guest on, and I am thrilled to have on Jack Murphy. Welcome in, Jack. Hey, Clint. How are you, man? Good to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're an author. You're the uh, founder of Liminal Order. Um, and also, you've had uh, an interesting couple of months. I just wanted to start off by asking, how are you doing, man? Are you you, you holding up? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's summertime. You know, my kids are doing great. We're planning all of our tournaments for baseball and regatta weekends. And, you know, the kids are great, man. So I'm great. And awesome. uh, I'm just looking forward to having a good time with them this summer. Uh, love it, man. I'm not a dad yet, but I definitely look forward to those years. So uh, I hope hope you're uh, enjoying them while they last because I know they're fleeting. That's what, they, my, that's what my dad tells me. Dude, you know, you hear people say, enjoy it. It goes quickly. And then you wake up one day and you got a senior and a junior and you're like, oh, crap, it really did go <laughs> fast. And am I old now? Like all these things <laughs> happening all at once. I'm going to have a kid graduated in college. I think I'm officially old, but it's it's great, man. We're going to have a great time traveling all over from Florida to Maine, everywhere in between the summer. It's going to be great. Oh, that's very cool. How, how old is your oldest son? Uh, my eldest daughter is a senior and my son's going to be a junior. And I've got a younger uh, daughter as well. Bo both in high school? Yeah, in high school and uh, wow. both uh, D1, looking to be D1 athletes. So there's a lot of a lot of work, a lot of travel, a lot of early mornings, a lot of weekends. But it's uh, it's awesome, man. It's worth every second. That's that's really cool. I, yeah. I, I it's it's so funny because like when I was younger, I never really knew if I wanted to have kids for sure. Like I always kind of thought I did. But like now I'm, you know, approaching 40 years old and I'm just like, man, I really want to have kids now. So um, my, my girlfriend's. Happened. My girlfriend's going to listen back to this and be like, well, then let's do it. Let's do it. It's time. <laughs> no time like the president. My only regret is I didn't start sooner and have more. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh. Well, um, total 180 shift here. And, and, and maybe this is the reason that I've, I've struggled with, uh, with taking the plunge into, into fatherhood is that <laughs> I, I really do have this creeping sense of doom right now. Um, and I've had it for quite a while, uh, basically since the lockdowns began and, and it hasn't dissipated in fact it's in in many ways it's gotten a lot worse and and i let me preface this by saying i am ultimately an optimist and i think that we will end up in a brighter future than we are now but i just think the interim period is going to be very rocky i do feel as if sometimes though by doing this show and talking about these issues that i'm kind of bailing water on the titanic like what why am i doing this uh do you ever get that sense like 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 no matter what we say uh this is just there's kind of an inevitable flow towards kind of this totalitarian bent that we're fighting against. Well, I think the uh, cycles of government are pretty clear in that, and that, uh, you know, authoritarian authoritarianism, authoritarianism and tyranny is, is next in the cycle. If you, if you look at Aristotle's cycle of government, 
Uh, but, you know, like, think back, man. If this was a 1,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, we'd all be complaining about there's no rain, there's a drought, you know, like the crops aren't growing. Why True. did the earth open up and swallow us? Why did these invaders come and kill us? You know, why did this disease wipe out half our people? You know, why is the king taxing me so much? I mean, I think that there's, no matter where you live in history, there's, has there ever been a time where anybody sat around and was like, you know what? Everything is just awesome. <laughs> I, I think, truly I think, hope nothing ever changes. I, I think like the, I think I, because of the advantage of when I was born, you know, being born in the eighties, living through the nineties, like in America, oh, like yeah. suburban America, like, I don't know if there was like ever a better time to mm. be alive, you know, no, it was in, so peaceful and fun. In my book, Democrat to Deplorable, I write about the nineties as being like the pox Americana, right? It was like, yeah. we were basically at peace. We had a budget surplus. We were retiring government debt. The Cold War had ended. We had defeated communism. It was amazing. Music was its best ever. <laughs> it was an amazing time. And if you look back, also, race relations were uh, far better than they are now. Oh, my God, yeah. Right. I, I, so we actually we actually got to joke about race. race so that would <laughs> make yeah. me feel may, way better about, you know, so, so the '90s were certainly, uh, I, I you're know, looking back on it now, an anomaly. But you know, back to your original question is, is there an impending sense of doom? It's like, where are you putting your attention, right? If you're putting your sure. attention at the fact that the bureaucratic state has taken over government and they make rules that get approved finally in court by judges and therefore create legislation to take hands out of the legislators, you know, the elected representatives. Yeah, that's pretty bad. If you look at inflation, if you look at the Federal Reserve, if you look at the global war on terror, if you look at all these things, yeah, it's pretty bad. But if you put your mind over here and you're hanging out with your kids and you're hanging out with your neighbors and you're helping people raise a barn or you're at a baseball tournament and everybody's having sure. fun and cooking out. Or you know, we went to a, a rowing regatta a couple weekends ago and there's just people barbecuing and grilling and everybody enjoying the outside and their dogs are there. I'm like, okay, where, where are you putting your attention mm. and what kind of feedback cycle are you getting? And, and is an impending sense of doom, you know, uh, is it maybe, maybe is it productive? Is it, is it just part and parcel to humanity to be worried about the future? I mean, look, th there's That's obviously true. so many issues that we can talk about. Uh, the institutional capture, you know, the, the woke takeover of everything, uh, the destruction of, you know, science and, and trading the, you know, the plain and philosophical understanding of life, liberty and, 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 and property and switching that out for a plane of identity as a way to make sense of the world and derive truth. You know, those are really serious issues. Those mm -hmm. are absolutely really serious issues. But I, I think some of us who are very online have a tendency to be very, very focused on these issues. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, one, you know, it pays, right? I mean, mm -hmm. to, to, to get engagement in social media, there's nothing better than being outraged, provoking fear in somebody, stoking anger or resentment. Those are the things that, that win. And I, I've seen that on social media. You know, uh, I post about Antifa and, and rage about Antifa and it would just blow up. And then you talk about like, you know, being a good dad and like building a community and it has like, you know, it hits totally different. Right. So, you know, there's, there's incentives for that, but I mean, they're all, it's not to discount the fact that they're all very real issues. Sure. Very yeah. real, very real issues. 
you know, what, what are the timelines for all these things happening? I don't know. Uh, is there going to be a drag queen, you know, strip tease in every kindergarten if we don't do something <laughs> about it right now? I, I don't know. It's, po it's possible. But I know my kids aren't going to them. And I know nobody who I know who's, you know, kids are going to them either. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure in, in some ways, right? Like, mm. You can you can choose to pay attention to some issues that you absolutely have no control over uh, for most people, or you can choose to pay attention to the issues that give you positive energy and that can create something constructive in the world. And you know, I'm I'm finding myself inclined to spend more time these days focused on those positive things, you yeah. know, building building community. And the, it's interesting though, like I made that conscious decision to build community. Like we did our Jack brunch tour last fall. We flew around the country. We went to nine different cities just to bring people together, just to have brunch and have some drinks on a Sunday afternoon, just to have a positive experience. And, but I, I don't know that I would have thought of to do that if it hadn't have been for all the time that I'd spent focused on all the issues mm. and learning about the institutional takeover and learning about the power of networks that you create, self-directed networks and the power of community and the power of brotherhood and the power of bringing people together as an antidote to all of the issues that have been identified and hashed right. out. And, it, and it's possible for me, you know, I've been at this and writing and, and writing books and, or I wrote a book uh, and blog posts, hundred blog posts, you know, plus 90,000 tweets over, you know, a hundred podcasts, plus all the appearances. I've been thinking and talking about these issues pretty consistently for almost a decade. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a part of me that feels like um, I've addressed the issues. Like we've identified what the issues are. We've talked about what possible solutions there may be. And so for me personally, I may be less inclined to just restate the problem over and over and over and over sure. again. Yeah. And to and to keep up with the white caps, you know, just like the the churn, the day-to-day -day churn. And instead focus on uh, the long-term projects and the deep roots and focus on kids and community. So that that's me personally. Does yeah. does it does it mean that the the tidal wave of bad things that isn't happening no i mean i mean it is right. and we're and we're gonna get to you know russia and you know nuclear war and open source swarms and all these things that are really just novel right there there is a whole novel new especially uh in foreign policy and in statesmanship there's just a new paradigm that mm -hmm. i don't think uh, most people are talking about and I, and I certainly don't see our federal government and our foreign service folks uh, waking up to this fact just yet. So, yeah, the doom's there, bro. We got to focus on the good stuff. No, no, I, I hear you, man. And it's funny you, you said that, you know, I feel like I've covered everything because um, I, I, I sometimes feel the same way. It's like it's always evolving, but it's always shades of the same problems, you know, even if it's even if it's new, you know, if it's Kavanaugh having assassination attempt it's still like right. yeah but i mean it's not exactly surprising either so and and no. all of the prescriptions that i might have for it are, are pretty similar uh to other issues that i've covered in the past so it's it's interesting um especially doing you know a, a bi-weekly show and trying to come up with fresh ways of looking at things without you know not just tiring my audience out but more importantly tiring myself out you know i i want to stay engaged and passionate and i think that you have fought because you've been doing this longer than I have. I am kind of I'm behind, but I'm I'm also 
uh, seeing some of the same uh, answers in that focus on the positive, focus on creation, focus on community. Those are the things that um, tend to, you know, make this worth doing. And I, I don't understand the people that like can just stay in the rage mill all the yeah. time. You know, it's like, how do you do that? It just, it has to be, it almost has to be contrived at some point, I would think. Well, I think it's easy. Right. And I think it's a trap. And I think that it is a uh, part of what social media does, does to us is it makes it, makes it easy to feel like you're living life when you, when you get enraged and you get trapped in your timeline scrolling and, and just being, Oh my God, did you hear about this thing? And Oh my God, did you see that thing? And then you don't do anything about it. Now I want to commend people who are taking action, right? Mm -hmm. If you take action, if you're running for your local school board, if you're running for your single district, you know, single member district, you know, that breaks all the way down. It's like basically like four square blocks around where you live. Run mm -hmm. for those offices. Have some impact. Yeah, I, yeah. Nobody runs for those offices. If you go to those meetings, man, you will be terrified to see who's actually on these boards, your your local boards, like your sub sub local boards. Because nobody wants that job because it's horrible. <laughs> so the right. worst kind of people come out and take them. So go go do that. Run for your school board. Have some positive change. Start a club. Start a kids uh, youth sports program. Start a charity. Build a nonprofit. Get your boys together and go fishing. Go build something. Yeah. Uh, that kind of action is gonna is going to help. And that's what we need is to take the long approach. Right. The other side did the slow march through the institutions and it's taken 50, 60, 70 years for them to get to where they are. And you know, we can talk about what the resolution there is going to be. I, I, for one, think it's a self-defeating mechanism that will implode on itself at some point. Me and the, the race that we are up against actually though is not, is, is, is if they are able to capture the technology, which can capture all of us before they implode. And uh, that that's the race that's on. Uh, John Robb talks about this, the, you know, the race, the long night that's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but, in the, you know, on the flip side, you just got to go do do something. And um, mm -hmm. scrolling Twitter and, you know, seeking rage engagement is is not it's not healthy. It does, no. Are you out walking in the woods with your dog and your family? While you're, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> And you're, and you're laying on the on the couch, just having your fucking adrenaline spikes. Exactly right, and your cortisol up, which makes you fat. I mean, there's right. I, there should be a study between the enragement that you get from scrolling Twitter, your cortisol levels, and you being fat. And if on <laughs> if on our side of this universe, if we could show a direct correlation between being enraged on Twitter and you getting fat, maybe we could get some people, you know, out of doing that, man, because. Uh, I don't know, dude. Whenever, whenever the winter breaks, the first glimpse of spring, I can feel my energy go up, and all I want to do is be outside. All I want to do is be building stuff, taking hikes, going to the beach, going to the mountains. And uh, the last thing I want to do is sit around and be upset by something that I saw on Twitter. Now, like the Kavanaugh thing is is terrible, right? And of course, uh, the fact that some guy was enraged enough by the media to get a weapon and head to, to DC and be on the way to a Supreme court justice home, which is right near me with the intent of killing the guy. Okay. Incredible. That, that is Pizzagate, except on the other side here, they, they've right. been enraged. Some dummy believed that there was something that needed to be done. 
gets his gun and they just stopped him before he got to the pizza parlor and, you know, fired off a couple rounds. And, you know, both sides uh, are culpable in this in some regards of like just spinning up all this hate. But, you know, at the same time, the, the things that people are doing sometimes deserve, I don't, it doesn't not the Kavanaugh stuff, but deserve the, 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 uh, the negative reaction, right? Like of anger course, yeah. and they, and it deserves uh, some attention to be put on it. Um, you know, and, and all this around row and stuff is, is just crazy intense. And, uh, you know, I personally have had an evolution in that, you know, I, I certainly, my books, Democrat to deplorable. I was definitely a Democrat. I've been, uh, unashamed in saying that, or maybe a little ashamed, but unabashed in saying that. And, you know, so I, I was definitely pro-choice, but, uh, you know, as I get older, there's just no question for me that I'm, I'm pro-life all the way. And it astonishes me that people will scream and yell and throw themselves into conniption over the right to end a beating heart. Like I, right. it, it, that, that to me is just so starkly dark and yeah, no matter how they no couch doubt, yeah. it, no matter how they couch it in terms of women's rights or, you know, hands off my body or whatever it is. I think it deep down, it's just the anger over women's biological responsibilities. I mean, mm. I didn't make it, but yeah, you guys make babies. Yeah. It's tough. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is tough. Uh, but it's also, you know, what is quintessentially woman, you right. know, it's like, it's like, it's the most, right. it's the one thing you can do that we definitely can't. Definitely and, cannot. and that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. And it, it's, it's fascinating because I I've had a similar arc as you uh, you know as a libertarian forever i just i've always struggled with the concept of having the government involved with this you know yeah, of course regardless of whether or not i think it's murder which i do uh i just struggle with the concept of like having the government investigating miscarriages and things like that like that sounds very uh overbearing and and invasive you know i don't want the government going and talking to some poor lady who was five months pregnant and she has a miscarriage and now she's being investigated as to whether or not she murdered her child like that would be devastating um right and and there's so many miscarriages like i really do think that would be uh, an issue to consider but at the same time like i do believe the infant has a right to life and and i yeah. do believe that it's murder if you you know have a doctor go in there and chop it up and take it out it's like it's it's very right. it's horrific so give them an injection to stop their heart yeah right it doesn't seem any more clear-cut than that and uh man you know growing up all i wanted was for every well a everyone to leave me alone <laughs> parents parents teachers any authority figure but right. especially the government and you know it was uh it was on the left it felt then where the liberty lovers were right yeah, like that was leave, the energy then yeah leave me alone types government get away from me types let me do whatever i want types uh and that certainly has changed right and so you know the the world has shifted all around and i i don't know how much my views have shifted i know certainly on on abortion they've definitely shifted sure uh, but it's actually more of a distillation of leave me alone right i'm just sort of leave it saying leave me alone for the baby uh but it's it's wild to me to to see how I am so much more naturally inclined to caucus with the Republicans at this point than mm -hmm. I would be with the Democrats. Like there's absolutely no freaking way possible I could ever vote for a Democrat. That's how I feel too. Because of whom they're associating with, even the moderate ones, even the centrist ones. 
even the the Joe Man Mansion, right? Yeah. West Virginia. Even yeah. like, bro, just give it up already. Like you're <laughs> caucusing with the Democrats. Uh, there's just absolutely no way. And but then you you think also about libertarianism, and I and I'm a I am not a scholar on libertarianism. So sure. if I mischaracterize anything about libertarianism, just spare me guys. Okay. <laughs> spare me the feedback later. You know, you know, as a libertarian, it's impossible for them to spare you the feedback, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so right, well, right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I've always been anti, like, let's not use the government to do stuff like anything. Right. Uh, and in fact, I worked for many years in a very right wing libertarian public policy experiment of charter schools right which mm -hmm. is which is giving the free market a chance to determine what schools should stay open and what schools should close so i i've been professionally invested personally invested in in these ideas for a long time but i'm also swayed more and more these days by using government action to achieve certain ends mm -hmm. and because because the democrats and the left and the wokeists have gone so absolutely apeshit bonkers that's true. Um, that if you do stand back and just allow things to to go, uh, bad things bad things do happen. Now, where that line is is the source of debate. Is is the real conversation? And I I don't have a clear answer on that. And uh, I'm not a politician, but I but I can say that my 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 knee jerk and instinct gut reaction to say no government involvement at all is is diminishing a little bit. And yeah. me being open to using the government to make some changes is growing a little bit. Uh, but so many of the changes I could see that would just be effective are really just about re eliminating government, right? Like Department of Ed. Yeah. Like, gone. <laughs> exactly. Gone. Gone. FBI. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm less, um, I, I'm, I know that there's a case to be made about the FBI, but you know, I, Remember we said pre-show we have some things. There's some things I can just comment on that I don't really know too much about. Sure. I know I know the FBI is effed up, right? Like, I've Bad. been following Julie Kelly. I've been following what happened right. in Michigan. I was there on January 6th, and I was like, "Yo, I gotta get out of here." So like, I split. <laughs> I split like right as everybody was basically going into the into the Capitol. Oh, I didn't realize that you were there. Wow. Yeah, I was there. I was like front row for the speech. For the Trump speech, and then uh, as soon as it was over, I started making my way down, and the air, the vibes in the city were totally different. Like I had been out in the street all 2020. I was there for the biggest nights of rioting on the mm -hmm. street at two in the morning, live streaming the riots. I was like one of the only people down. It was like because it was right at the beginning, you know, and and it hadn't spawned this whole army of, of streamers yet and i was right down there right at the beginning and i saw it all dude i saw the buildings getting burned i saw the church getting burned i even got i got shot in the throat live on stream by a rubber bullet because they wow. thought i was antifa or something i don't know i was just standing there streaming i got shot it was it was kind of funny i mean i got shot on stream and i like fall down on the ground i'm like <laughs> damn dude it i went, didn't even know that it went That's through wild. it went through my like uh face mask thing my bandana and threw my beard and hit me like right here oh. so luckily it wasn't like just a clear shot yeah the, but, the beard but may have saved you <laughs> it, the, dude, the, be the beard saved me that night there's no question <laughs> yeah and and dude i was there at the kavanaugh protest in the first place at the supreme court on the day he was sworn in i was i was 
one foot away from the Supreme Court door while they were all banging on the doors. I mean, we had we had some tens of many tens of thousands of people watching that live at that moment. It was front page on Periscope, if I remember. But anyway, my point is, is on January 6th, I could because I had been out there the whole time, I could feel the energy was just different. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. So I, I split and watched the rest of it on TV and then drove uh, out to Tim's house and did Timcast that night. And I don't remember where we're going with this on January 6th. Oh, well, I, I wanted <laughs> to, to be honest. I, I actually, I want I have a question about that. Did from, since you, you were there for Trump's speech, did you yeah. sense that the energy in the crowd shifted because of Trump? Because yeah. well, I've watched that speech and it didn't, it didn't yeah. strike me as him calling for any sort of, it was, it was, I thought, I thought it was flat. Right. And I thought it was kind of a, a poop speech. Yeah. There was like no energy there. Yeah. It was and, like, it was kind of like, he's like, all right, yeah, I get it. Like it's over. Yeah. And, well, he, well, he said, he said, and I remember, I remember I watched the Charlottesville press conference live, right. Where, he says there were some very fine people on both sides. Right. Like I, I remember that and I condemn hundred percent the racist. Like I watched it live. So I know everything that people said about it was total horseshit. Oh, of course. Uh, but I was there at the speech too on January 6th. And you know, he says, uh, go down there and give them hell peacefully. Right. <laughs> right. Go down there and let them know. I mean, he, I think he did call on Pence to, to do something, but it, it, you know, it felt half hearted. Half-hearted, yeah. half-assed. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> it, yeah. Right. Well, it, was, so, it wasn't. It wasn't inciting. Let's say. And yes. and and by the time I got out on the Constitution Avenue and was walking down towards the Capitol, everybody was already there, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 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 mob was already. Sorry, the mass of people <laughs> <laughs> was already at the Capitol, and so they weren't the ones who were at the speech to right. be riled up to then go down and then enter into the Capitol. They were kind of on their mission already. Did, they were, did, they were already there. Yeah. Did you get any, any sense of, uh, you know, the, the rumored FBI informants that were prompting this to, to escalate? Did you have any feel for that? Nothing in particular, but well, no, no one person stood out to me. No one was, I, I didn't see Ray Epps, for example, or whatever. Sure. Sure. But what I did notice was that there were a bunch of groups in town that weren't ordinarily in town. There was a bunch of people doing much more aggressive marching, let's say, than ordinary. Uh, 50 people carrying a big flag, like a giant flag all at once, which there's nothing wrong with that inherently. But like sure. you see that and then you see just bad vibes, just like a, it was just, it all added up to just like a sense of like, it just... It, it was clear and distinct different energy from what I'd felt all summer. But of course it's because these were, you know, right side folks, MAGA folks coming to protest rather than it being the BLM. And, and like those guys, I mean, look, I'm not trying to say that the BLM Antifa protests weren't violent. They were, they were crazy violent. Like they burned down buildings in front of me. They of took rocks and destroyed whole windows. I, I stood 25 30 feet away from people looting store after store trying to set the stores on fire and you know it, it, so it, total different thing but i had also been down there for other 
other protests that were, you know, ostensibly right. And this, again, this had a, just a different vibe. So, so I split. Um, is that to say that these guys are getting fair treatment? Hell no. I mean, no, Julie, Julie no. Kelly has done a tremendous job in outlining um, all of the abuses that are going on down there uh, in the jails. They've been scattered around different jails and stuff. And the, the judges just denying bail and delay, just delaying cases months at a time. You know, you got a guy who in, in being held for a nonviolent offense and they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll just kick this next hearing out three more months. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. the, many of them have been in Since then. Know, sol solitary confinement for a whole fucking year, year and a half now almost. And and the, it's I'm glad that we ended up covering this, even though I didn't, didn't intend to, because today are the hearings, the January 6th hearings on Capitol Hill. So this will be interesting to compare and contrast, you know, yeah. your experience versus what I'm sure they're going to report. And and this is a natural pivot from what you're talking about, which was, you know, kind of a mob riot, which is what happened on January 6th. and the the swarm concept because that mm. was that was essentially a swarm in its it own right yeah. so um for those that aren't familiar with this concept if you could just give a little little backdrop to it sure well you know john robb is uh, the author and and writer and analyst who brought this to my attention in the first place and everybody should go out there and either get his book well do both of these get his book brave new war and also you should subscribe to his patreon it is global gorillas it's the best five bucks you'll ever spend out there Nice. And uh, he he observed in um, Afghanistan and Iraq in the 2000s that the there was a marketplace around the creation, innovation, and deployment of IEDs, and there were loosely affiliated organizations, loosely affiliated terrorist cells, and and you know patriots, depending on which way you're you're looking at it. But people who didn't want the U.S. to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And one guy would try something and it would work. And another guy would try something and it didn't work. Another guy would try something and it would work. And then the other people in the area would adopt this new evolution in the IED. And because it was, it was open source, there was no one person leading it. There was no one person whose job it was, was to do all the innovation, creation, distribution, and implementation of IEDs in theater there. It was just all these different groups, all experimenting, all trying to come up with what's going to you know, blow people up and have maximum damage for minimum dollars. And once something succeeded, then it would be adopted. And then the U.S. forces would adopt, react to that. And then, you know, just this, this whole cycle. And in there, John observed this, uh, the effect of the, the open source warfare. And then so fast forward to, say, Gamergate and other scandals online where you see open source warfare, information warfare, right. where people take um, one approach and it doesn't work, take another approach and it works. And then people start replicating that. And then they see something that works and they just replicate, replicate. And then these swarms sort of take on their own energy. They have their own agency. There was an old joke during Gamergate where it would be like, I am the, I'm the leader of Gamergate, people would say. I'm the leader of Gamergate. I'm the leader of Gamergate. But the point I was Spartacus. The point was is nobody was the leader of Gamergate, right? right. There wasn't a leader. So it was an open source, open source swarm. And and that type of behavior has only just intensified, intensified, intensified. Uh, and through, you know, Donald Trump was an open source insurgency against the establishment. Hmm. You know, he was launched into the political space by people who wanted him to be a bomb. 
right? But it wasn't the establishment, obviously. He hated the GOP establishment and they hated them. It wasn't the Democrats. It wasn't the corporatists, right? It was a, it was an open source populist swarm that launched him. And now we've seen just continue to evolve. And basically every conflict out there is involved involves like a, an open source swarm of people jumping in. And so in the case of Russia, Putin invades Ukraine and all of a sudden everybody, institutions, corporations, media companies, the government, foreign actors, non-governmental actors, hostile states, like everybody out there swarms into action and no one's really leading it, right? Of course, the Biden administration is making phone calls and they're calling NATO and doing whatever, but they're not calling all 500 corporations, you know, in the S and P 500, they're not calling every media company. They're not calling every sports team. They're not calling every hostile group, non-governmental group out there, not every tribe, every gang, all of them are now just calling for and demanding and then taking their own action. Right. Right. All these companies pulled out, they stopped us, uh, you know, sending their services there. Uh, and you got the media ginning up more and more hate and more and more anger. And I don't even want to talk about whether or not Russia was justified or not. If sure. NATO, if NATO screwed up in pushing, cause I have a lot of opinion on that, that I've done a ton of research on. We can yeah. talk about it. Ha happy to talk about it. But in this particular context, it's like a, an open information war and everybody is a guerrilla. It's very fourth generation warfare in that it's decentralized. And if you can think strategically, you can be an independent actor and affect the change. And the problem is, is that nobody controls it. The swarm is going to swarm. You can't stop everybody from talking. You can't stop everybody from issuing opinion. You can't stop all the companies from taking actions. You can't stop other states from doing what they're going to do. And hell, you probably can't even stop what's happening inside the State Department or inside the Department of Defense. And it has no agency. It has no one that you can call. It has no one that you can negotiate with. And it has no sense of mortality because mm. it's not a thing that can be attacked per se. Right. And so it can engage and we see this. I mean, it's cancel culture, right? It's, it's a swarm that pops up around an issue. They they have momentary alignment, network alignment, which is what you see with Antifa and black lives matter and the corporations, right? That is a momentary alignment network alignment. They have been brought into phase together. They have coherence because they have a plausible promise, which is to defeat Donald Trump at that time. Right. Right. So they, they all got together and they're like, yes, I don't care who you are or what you're doing or anything else. If you want to defeat Donald Trump, then, you know, we end up working together in a productive way. And that's the key to these open source things is the plausible promise. Like, oh, okay, here's the promise. We can defeat Putin, or we can get this guy canceled. We can get Dave Weagle canceled, right? <laughs> or we can get, you know, whatever the-, the For a retweet. <laughs> of a funny joke. Well, that was that was actually one of my, uh, someone that runs in my circle that, that tweeted that. So oh, really? it's pretty yeah. funny, yeah. I, I mean, when I saw it, I, I laughed. Yeah, no, um, it was funny. Because it's true. Uh, so <laughs> It is true. <laughs> so uh, the plausible promise is like, oh, this thing, we can, we can achieve this thing. 
And when people have a plausible promise, then they fall into coherence around the plausible promise. And again, I didn't develop any of this stuff. I've learned it through studying William Lynn, Fourth Generation Warfare, studying Brave New War with John Robb, studying the OODA loop, John Boyd, right? So you put all these things together in this information space, and now you can see what's happening. The same thing that's happened, cancel culture, same. When people say they're trying to cancel Russia, that's, it's a joke, but it's actually true. It's the same mechanism. Yeah. And, and what is absolutely terrifying about this is that Russia is a real place with real weapons and real nuclear weapons and their nuclear, uh, yeah. And their nuclear doctrine of strategic and tactical nuclear, they're all tied together. Mm -hmm. They have nuclear doctrine built into their on the ground, you know, fighting Ukraine. It's in, it's in their doctrine. Whereas we have them separate and they actually have an escalation cycle that says we will escalate to de-escalate. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can, you can study it. I'm not, you know, pulling this out of my ass. It's out there. Russian nuclear doctrine. How do you get, how do they, you know, slow a war down? They escalate. Now, what is going to happen if this swarm continues on? They're not going to just be satisfied with stop fighting Ukraine. They're not going to be satisfied with pull out of Ukraine. They're not going to be satisfied with regime change. You've heard people call for that, right? You've heard them of course, yeah. say, you know, got we got to get rid of Putin. In fact, I heard maybe it was the senator. I can't remember his name now. I remember Lindsey Graham said it, it's up to the Russian people. Like either he goes or you go, basically. It was like, what? Right. <laughs> right. Or, you know, there's, there's, this thing isn't going to end until Putin's gone. We got to get him the hell out yeah. of there. I, I, think even, I think even Biden said that. Yeah, he and did. He said he, 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 must, he must be. He didn't say he's got to go. Was, yeah, it was like he's got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then what the next step from there will be nuclear disarmament, right? Like, oh, we just can't let this ever happen again. How can we let Russia have nukes? These stupid idiots. They're like, how can we, how can, how does Russia even have nuclear weapons? How can we let this happen? <laughs> right. I don't, they've had them for 50 years, but okay. Right. Right. So more, right? Yeah. So, geez, think about it. Seven. Long time. Yeah. So, they're in the swarm, and I call it the Karen swarm or the Karen AGI, right? Because it's it it is an advanced general intelligence in the sense that it, it's it seems to have its own agency, it seems to be making its own decisions, and it's infused with the Karen ethos, yeah, right? It, it has the Karen energy. So the Karen super AGI is engaged in an open source war with Russia who has nuclear weapons, who has a plan to use them to de-escalate a situation. And if the if the goal of the open source swarm is to remove Putin and demilitarize or denuclearize Russia, well, it doesn't take a you know real complicated analysis to see where that's going to go. If they keep pushing towards the goal of removing Putin, well, then I don't, I don't see how we avoid some sort of nuclear detonation of, of some kind. Yeah. And that's absolutely terrifying because there's no one to take responsibility either then in this swarm. The swarm acts, it, it has its agency. It's almost a spirit, right? People mm-hmm. have called it like an, an egregore. It's a, it's a spirit and it, you can't nuke it. You can't shoot at it. You can't destroy it. The only thing that can happen is you can distract it mm-hmm. and or you can knock it out of of alignment, network alignment. 
And from the beginning, that was something that I was trying to figure out. Like, how how do we knock that network, that open source swarm out of alignment? How do we distract it? And it's funny, Elon Musk, he tried at the beginning when he offered to to fight Putin to settle it. Right. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that, that you introduce humor and levity and, and a little bit of distraction. I mean, that's the kind of thing that may have had some impact, but it didn't. Interesting. Yeah. And, and what's interesting too is his, his desire to purchase Twitter came after the invasion. And, you know, who knows if he's thinking all this stuff through, but I do know for a fact that he is in communication with people that do know these things and, sure. have, and have communicated this stuff to him in writing, briefing him. Um, it's, it's entirely possible that the acquisition of Twitter is meant to knock the network out of alignment or to distract it or to somehow mitigate uh, what it's doing right yeah. now. And, and he hasn't said it and he hasn't alluded to it, but as an observer, it, it, it's consistent in what it, perhaps it's, it's, um, it's impact would be. So, yeah. And it's, it's possible that, that if he were to make that his stated goal, it wouldn't work. Like, cause like if you were to inform the swarm, you know, like this is what I'm trying to accomplish that may, that may be self-defeating. Right. Indeed. Because then they can, they can defend against it. Now, it's entirely possible that Putin just is, just is unfazed by this stuff and doesn't care. And, and look, the the R Russian economy has been much more resilient than people anticipated. Yeah, the ruble the ruble is now back higher than pre-invasion levels. Uh, exports, I believe, are up. They're bringing in import re revenue. Uh, they have gold. They're sitting on gold. They've got an alliance with China and all these other countries. I think what we're seeing here is 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 network power, right? So eventually, eventually all these other countries and their economies and their powers are going to be so great that people like Russia are going to be like, uh, you don't want me in your Western club? Fine. Right. And they just they just opt out of it. Yep. They're like, well, the Eastern club it is. Yeah, you know, and I tried to do a GDP analysis on this and and it's it's still pretty stark, right? Like I was going to write an essay about how this may be happening sooner rather than later, but when you add up the the western GDPs and and those in this um, you know, emerging network, it's not even close yet. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at careerhackers.com. If you are in a position of needing to change your career path, if you are unemployed, if you are not happy with your job, if your employer has treated you like crap, which a lot of people did, unfortunately, uh, if you got laid off because you refused to put something in your body, it happened to a lot of people, a lot of my listeners, I know, because I received DMs, go to careerhackers.com, sign up for the daily job hunt newsletter, free, cost you nothing, gives you some information on how to become a better job applicant, gives you some tips on how to stand apart in this hyper-competitive world. It's really important that you differentiate yourself. You show why you should get that interview, why you should get that job. Again, go to careerhackers.com and sign up for the daily job hunt. You will not regret it. But it is growing, right? I mean, China's growing. There's no question about that. And at some point, it's, maybe it's just enough. You know, I, people act like Putin acted in, impulsively by invading Russia. No and, maybe, and maybe didn't think all this stuff through or, or did like somehow was like 
taken by surprise that there was going to be sanctions or, or right. whatever. And I'm like, come on, man. It's absurd. They game this thing out forever. And then they also talk about people, Putin, people talk about how Putin lost information more. I'm like, you know what? No, you just weren't the target of their information war, my friend. Right. right. He doesn't, he, he knows that he's being disconnected from the West. Why bother an information war in the West? Mm hmm. His information war is at home and in the East and with his allies. And right. I don't think any of us are in position to understand what it's like to be a Chinese speaking citizen, uh, observing Russian propaganda <laughs> in the heartland of China. Like, I don't think any of us can speak to that. The only thing we can speak to is like being a, a U.S. guy, a very online U.S. guy and not being totally convinced by Russia's <laughs> information operations. Like, well, that, we, weren't, that... we weren't the target. No, no, I, t I totally agree. And and unfortunately, we are the target of the, the Western-led propaganda. And I think that, you know, that swarm process, um, do you think that, well, I guess this is a good question for you. Do you think that the the people that, you know, propagate narratives in America, be it the CIA, whoever is, you know, deep state, whatever, uh, are they are they privy to this? Are they Are they utilizing it in some way? Well, I know, I know for a fact that at least within the government apparatus, whether it's NATO, whether it's uh, the National Security Council, they, at some point, the administration, like as a whole, whether or not Biden or Trump, has been briefed on this stuff. I've seen the reports. I know some of the people who have done it. Oh, wow. Uh, but they also were a small voice, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a large, a large sea. Um, it feels like the U.S. has look. It's 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 not like you can control everybody within the apparatus, right? So you've got wild cards saying shit like no fly zone, and we need to take out Putin and whatever. And then there's there's I'm sure people calling to be cautious. There there's a, a an element within the military that does information operations for sure. They put out some crazy video a few weeks ago, uh, like a recruitment video that I watched yeah. it, and I was like, wow. It was, it was very, very well done. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there, there's all kinds of papers out there. You can read NATO has been briefed on the power of information war, et cetera. But are they taking it to heart? Are, are they using it to do what they want to do? I think they understand the tools, but they may not have the same goals as us. Right. Sure, of course. So how is it that everybody in America ended up with the Ukrainian flag on their, their handle? Uh, overnight replacing temporarily the rainbow flag replacing temporarily the black lives matter flag putin putin go home black lives matter fuck trump all all in one <laughs> on one yard oh, and know. and and get your jab wear your mask you know every, yeah. all of it and so. we believe science all in the same yard around the corner from my house no no kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you get living in washington dc i was gonna say it sounds like it's time to move yeah <laughs> man if only life were that easy bro i would be long gone that is for sure but yeah i think that they're i think they're very aware of the the power of memetics the power of narrative the way social media works the way you distribute and organize uh, distribute narratives and then organize um networks around the plausible promises i, I absolutely yeah. I, I believe I believe hundred percent. Are they in alignment with our goals? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so either. Um, I don't think that the American government has been in alignment with my goals basically <laughs> my entire life, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So 
I, I mean, I love I love the idea, and and it's it seems to like answer some of the areas of um, confusion that I've had over the few year, uh, past few years, because it does it seems as if this this phenomenon, and it, it it seems as if it naturally coincides with the increase in social media use and the internet as a whole. It's just like we're we're all networked together with our ideas. It also feeds off of rage, as we discussed earlier in this episode, where it was like that's what sells, that's what gets clicks, that's what gets engagement. Um, so it, it incentivizes people to push this rage narrative. And if Putin becomes the source or you know the bane of all existence, uh, then that becomes the thing that everyone is going to push the swarm towards. And and your point about how they have an escalatory policy when it comes to you know conflict, it really it makes me feel like almost the only chance we have of them not using nukes is a cooler mind prevailing in Russia. You know, be it Putin or somebody else in in his uh, you know inner circle that just says, "Look, we're not doing it. We're not going to nuke." Um, do you think we're like we are at the mercy of that at this point? Because it doesn't seem as if the swarm is necessarily going to relent. I mean, if the swarm doesn't relent, then you know the prediction uh, from others is that there will be a demonstration nuclear explosion, right? Like, mm. uh, like a, a detonation of a tactical nuke on some lightly populated piece of infrastructure, hmm. as a way to be like, I told you guys, we're fucking yeah. serious here. Yeah. <laughs> Not playing uh, around. We're not playing do, around. Do you think that would occur within Ukraine? Uh, yeah, I doubt they would do it on their own soil. So yeah, no, no. I was just thinking if well, they were Pol to do it in <laughs> Poland, yeah. that, that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think all. I think it's hard to predict, man, because the genie is sort of out. The egregore is running about on the land, and we don't necessarily have control over it. And you've got people in their early thirties with power who don't understand what the Cold War was all about or what mutually assured destruction was about or what nuclear doctrine is on either side. And they're willing to just escalate, 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 escalate. Uh, you know, but it, it remains to be seen. I, and this is in my lifetime, I believe, the highest risk that we've seen. And you know, it feels I, like it. Look, I'm I'm not um a hundred percent like a foreign policy expert, but I I I do have a master's from the Georgetown School of Foreign Service, <laughs> so I have studied this stuff a little bit, and I've studied Russian history and Russian language and the the economics of of nuclear arms races was one of my you know collegiate uh, thesis papers. Oh wow! So I, I've I've thought about it and I've lived the swarm. Right. It's happened to me personally. Like I've seen, say, I've yeah. seen it, I've seen it happen more than once. Right. Like mm. it happened to me with uh, Antifa and mm. the people on the left swarming together to get me fired from my charter school job. It's happened to me from people on the right, ostensibly swarming together to just try to, you know, destroy my name or, or punish me for whatever reason they felt like I need to be punished. So I've seen it, I've seen it happen and we've seen it happen time to time. It's happening to Dave Weagle right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But that makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but well, it, but it, it's not the same. It's not. The I think same. I think the one good thing about the swarm is that it, it tends to have a very um, short uh, attention span. You know, it's it, like it can it can be distracted. But what 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 bigger thing is there to focus on? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know that, that that that's what troubles me about distracting it or nudging it off. Is there's a you've escalated from like 
focusing on one person who said a bad thing to, you know, great world conflict with the nuclear power. I, I don't know what the bigger, more important, more dangerous subject matter is. Right. Because, you well, know, you can, you can have the row stuff. You can yeah. have the abortion stuff. You it can have a, they tried with that. Yeah. You can have a 2022 midterms. You can have 2024 presidential election. But they're they're on par with, mm -hmm. you know, Great War, possibly World War Three, uh, you know, massive armed confrontation with with Russia and you know NATO being on the line and you know all this is really just a continuation of World War Two anyway, which was a continuation of World War One. I mean, at the time of the invasion, I went and did research on uh, Madeleine Albright's presentations to the United Nations about NATO expansion. And in her speeches, she said specifically, we cannot let Russia effectively Stalin decide the boundaries and the results of World War II. So we must continue to push eastward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they're, they're fighting the end of World War II still wanting to push eastward into Ukraine and into, can you believe dude, like Turkey and Bulgaria, like NATO, NATO, <laughs> Bulgaria. Okay. Or, you know, Estonia or Latvia. It'll be a different story when they have to come to the American public and like try to trigger article five over Bulgaria. Right. Like, yeah, I don't I know. Hope. I don't know how well that's going to go over. But the point is, is that the American foreign policy establishment was dedicated to fighting still World War II, not letting Stalin rewrite the boundaries. Uh, and, and frankly, Putin's talking about the same thing in his speeches as well. Uh, and, you know, there's one major difference, though, between the Cold War and this new conflict with Russia. The, there's, it's, it's not ideological, as it were, before. And there's not, um, you know, in, of course, the Cold War, communist ideology versus uh, free market capital liberal society, right? That that was a, a war of worlds. And sadly enough, there were progressive elements within the United States who was more than happy to see the rise of communist efforts around the world as well. That's a conversation for another time. Mm -hmm. And so there was that that ideological conflict with Russia, and that formed the foundation for all of our foreign policy, you know, positions of, of containment and you know fight them there and and have proxy wars and this and that. Don't, no domino effect of letting communism spread throughout the world. But now it's not it's not communist ideology. You know, they're they're uh, you know ostensibly free market, whatever. It's sort of authoritarian. It's sort of oligarchical. Not too terribly different from the United States. In I was going to say in that, some regards there. I don't know who you're describing there. <laughs> <laughs> and and but they have a you know they had a political philosophy at that time, communism, right, Marxism, that gave them the universe in which to make their decisions about how to run their government, how to work their foreign policy. It had a universalist approach. Right. Communism at its base was about, you know, if you take it at its face value, was about class warfare and class transcended all national boundaries. Right. So there was this built in mobility, expansionary uh, nature of communism to reach out to workers around the world to unite with them. So it was sort of a, a, a risk built right into its programming to to spread everywhere because they had they had comrades in every country mm -hmm. but 
Russia has a new political philosophy now, just like we had a have a political philosophy, Jeffersonian, Madisonian political philosophy, Hamiltonian, that, that set the stage for us to make all the decisions about what kind of government we were going to have, what kind of rights we wanted to protect, truly what kind of foreign policy we should be having as well. And that's, again, another conversation, too, because our foreign policy has been totally hijacked. Yeah, I was like, we got away from that a little bit. Oh, we certainly did. The <laughs> idea that there's even such a thing as America first today is completely insane because why wouldn't it be America Yeah, that, that was first? a given. <laughs> right, right, right. So we have a political philosophy that that sets the tone for all of our decision-making. Russia had one in this in, in the Cold War that was universalist and expansionist, global globalist. And now they have a new one. And, um, you know, it's it, this isn't a global expansionary. It's it's actually multipolar. And, mm. you know, I've talked to Alexander Dugan. People will argue whether or not he's got as much influence as people assign him. What is fact is that he teaches or taught at major Russian universities. He has written books that are or were at one time issued to everybody in the Russian military. And it's pretty clear that people, you know, listen to what he's done. And he's a tremendous yeah. philosopher uh, and kind of a weirdo. and totally a propagandist and who knows what if you listen to my interviews with him you know i keep saying throughout the show it's like just because i'm not refuting what he's saying doesn't mean i agree with it i'm just trying to keep the show moving so we can talk right sure but he's established a political philosophy based on a heideggerian concept of dasein which is the state of being before you're even aware of the fact that you're oh you know there it's hmm. like the purest individual essence of self and he believes that everybody has a unique Dasein, and he believes that those people come together into form civilizations that have a unique Dasein to them as well. And then he believes, therefore, even further, that there's must be a multipolar world. So he gives a lot, and, and he has written just hundreds of thousands of pages, dude, huge 20-volume works on studying other civilizations and how you have to have respect for the Hindu civilization. You have to have respect for the Persian civilization. You have to have respect for Western civilization. You have to have uh, respect for you know, Chinese civilization. And so in their political philosophy today demands that they have their space, the Russian yeah. space. They call it a large space, but also that they respect other civilizations to exist as well. And so there, there isn't built into their political philosophy a, a globalist expansionary. Right. It's not about or, conquest of everybody. It's not. Certainly their peripheral areas, certainly, you know, creating a space, a buffer for them, taking over lands that they thought were, you know, that they believe are traditionally um, within their sphere of influence. Right. And being Eurasian, you know, it's a big, it's a big sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's not it's not built into the ideology that we have to go and reunite all the workers of the world and overturn the powers everywhere around the world. So in some regards, it's, it's totally different environment. It's not an existential threat to America in that regard. They don't have an ideology that they're promoting. That's going to worm its way into our institutions to destroy them. Like they did, like they did with communism. Right. Um, so no, they're it, certainly no more expansionary than the American empire. I mean, it's like, or even, even less so maybe. Yeah. That, uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. not even debatable. It's crazy that, that we're, <laughs> we're being propagandized to believe that like, I, I mean, I see people online 
all the time when I'm trying to advocate to not get us further involved than we already are. And people will say, oh, then what about the rest of Europe? When they when they roll the tanks into fucking, you know, the United Kingdom, you're going to feel differently. I'm like, that's never going to happen. What are we even talking about right now? Yeah. Crazy. Well, look, Putin, if you read Putin's speech, he his this is why there are seemingly um, receptive ears to folks on the right for Russian, the Russian ideas, ideas right now. Because, and this is sad, but Russia's critique of the United States government and foreign policy is pretty much the same as our critique it of is. the United States government and foreign policy. And so when you hear them, you know, calling us the empire of lies and promoting, you know, transhumanism and being an empire and being hypocritical and all these things. You're like, yeah, uh-huh. Wait, who wrote that? Oh, fuck, it was Putin that wrote that. Yes. And, and so you find sympathy for Putin's position, mm -hmm. his intellectual position, and his critique of the globalist American empire, the gay, as Darren Beatty has, <laughs> has coined it, which I find hilarious. <laughs> um, and so you're like, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense, dude, but I just don't know about this invading Ukraine thing. So, like, right. you can support the critique, the ideas, the analysis, and be a supporter of a multipolar world, and even perhaps of a post-liberal order. And I'm not saying I am 100%, but I've definitely interviewed people who are. Mm -hmm. So, Rab Amari comes to mind as somebody who's post-liberal. Interviewed Bronjay's pervert. He's certainly post-liberal. <laughs> and, but, you know, your, your, like, sympathy with him falls short of, like, you know, blowing up towns and lobbing missiles. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still anti-war. So like, right. I, I, I think, I think what's happening, uh, particularly to the civilians in Ukraine is tragic, but it, I can't disconnect the fact that we overthrew, uh, their leadership in 2014. And, you know, we have Victoria Nuland on mic basically deciding who's going to be their leadership. And it's like, well, this didn't come out of nowhere, but anyways, I, I as you said, I don't want to get too bogged down in the history of all this. Cause it's so, uh, there's so much to cover and we just don't have enough time. Uh, but I did want to ask you, it, it does seem like particularly with the Rovers Wade leak and then having this assassin outside of or alleged assassin, who knows what the truth is outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house, uh, yesterday morning. And then uh, last night, the, you know, the FBI is still permitting people to protest and picket in front of his home. And you're like, wait, so this guy had a threat against his life and, the same day they're still allowing people to protest outside. Like it, it adds up to me really questioning whether or not they are, if, if they're not at least tacitly supporting, intimidating these judges into like doing whatever, whatever the deep state wants. I don't know. I don't, I really, I can't get a read on it. Um, or if they are actually trying to have him hurt, you know, like if, if this is really where we're at now that the FBI is now, fine with you know political assassinations if it takes out people that don't support what they want um and i know i sound very alex jonesy going there even but I, it's like i have to ask the question because it just doesn't make sense like if it was a leftist justice you would have to imagine there'd be fucking you know an army around their house right now so how do you read that the the uneven application of power speaks a lot yeah right um 
as I don't, I only follow Jonah Goldberg as a schadenfreude, like, you know, train wreck to watch him. But he had a good point today. He's like, look, uh, if it were Sotomayor, there yeah. would be, there would be a whole army there defending her today. And it would be front page of the Washington post. I, uh, popped into my corner store just before the show and, uh, Washington post on one hand, Washington times on the other hand, Washington times front headline, you know, Kavanaugh assassination, whatever attempt Washington post nowhere. So, uh, uneven application of power is a hallmark of bias, right? There's just, there's no question about it. Now, I, I am not going to go so far as to say there are people with specific agenda and there may be, and there are people out there who cover that, that beat and I'm not denying it. I just, I can't really just speak don't to it. Yeah. I just don't know. Um, and I will say this and I'll catch shit for it. I remember dude, every time on Tim cast that, that like, I'd agree with an issue that was like right wing, but just ask a question from the other side. People are, can't believe it. <laughs> but I will say this as someone that was in the streets during the riots in 2020, dude, I saw them wrangle up black lives matter. Right. Like I saw them arrest people. I saw them sure. come out and full friggin' force and tear gas people and shoot people and nightstick people and kettle them up and arrest them and fly helicopters like 15 feet above the ground and clear people out of areas and stuff. So, you know, it, it's not always as cut and dry as as people would make it out to be. In that, oh, yeah. you know, we just, we just the BLM gets away with everything, or yeah, yeah they they may have gotten away with more, but there right. was definitely a, a uh, an assertion of force on them. I saw it for sure. Did they get away with a lot? Yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> um, but you know, in terms of the Kavanaugh thing, yeah, I, I'm I'm appalled that they allow people to protest in front of his house. Uh, the the treatment that Mike Pence got when he moved into just the neighborhood a few blocks from me, uh, even just taking a temporary house when he was coming in was just atrocious. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, used to live next door to one of my friends, and you know he told me about he was there when the people came and they're like pounding on Tucker's house and like trying to drive him out of his neighborhood, and you know that that stuff is appalling to me, you know. Uh, and 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 I wish it weren't happening, and I wish the police would do something about it. But is there is there a coordinated effort within? I, I don't know. Do people wake up and go into the FBI that are woke? I don't know. <laughs> I think so, but but I don't know either. So I I the, I mean the question was sincere. I, I I don't have an answer. It just it gets to a point of like such egregiousness that you have to ask the question. Like what you know, if this was Sotomayor, it would be treated dramatically differently. And, yeah. and you know, we're not having congressional hearings to discuss the Black Lives Matter riots that were far more pervasive and, and sustained oh, than January 6th or anything that came from the right. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, But I also saw Black Lives Matter people get fucking brutalized by the cops, some of them. So it's like it goes both ways and it's it's hard to it's hard to read. But it does get to a point where you start to question whether or not the rule of law, if it's going to be distributed so unevenly, um, you know, at some point you think that the right might just stop acknowledging it. They like, and if you get to that point, cause these are the armed people, these are the military vets to a large extent. If they get to the point where they don't trust the justice system and they already don't trust politicians, they already don't trust democracy. They, you know, you, you, you're in spicy water. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I think, what is the phrase like, uh, anarcho tyranny, right? Yeah, where, where exactly. just total misapplication of the law, uneven application of the law. 
cracking down on the the least offenders and letting the worst offenders go as a way to incite some level of terror. I mean, you see it with the the lack of uh well, I don't know. I, I guess what where does where does the lack of prosecuting shoplifting crimes fall? Right? Like they're letting people get away with that, but then they're cracking down on other things. I if there's one thing that we can count on for sure is that our bloated agencies of all kinds at all levels in every field and every domain are fucked up and broken. Like mm. all of them. Yeah. All of them. And and they exist to perpetuate themselves. Anybody that's studied even five seconds of like industrial organization understand like the way that, that organizations just perpetuate themselves to maintain their budgets. They have different incentives. They have totally different motivations for what they do. Most of it has nothing to do with the mission anymore. All of it is about self-sustenance and feeding the beast, spending money, not spending money. All these decisions aren't, are, none of them are made with the mission in mind. And is that, is that recoverable? Probably not. And mm. are the institutions themselves all captured anyway by the woke factor? Probably. Yeah. And so th this forms the foundation for my thesis for networks, emergent networks rising together. And it's this is the opposite of the negative sense of the swarm. This is a positive sense of the swarm where, uh, and this is how I have operationalized what I have learned from Lind and, and Rob and Boyd and others is to create a plausible promise that's a positive one mm -hmm. and then attract people to join you in that plausible promise to affect positive outcome. Mm -hmm. And so for us, like in liminal order, that's like, we have core values, masculine energy we find valuable to build, to create, to protect, to provide, to instruct, to master, uh, brotherhood, accountability, service, loyalty, uh, community, sovereignty, whether it's personal, financial, information sovereignty, food, water sovereignty. These are things that we value. So that's that's our plausible promise, that if you get together with us and and we work towards these goals, we can all achieve more of this in our lives. And yep. this we see that as a positive way to respond to everything that's going on out there. Yeah, well, and, and so, that, those, those are the things that we lack. So of course, it's Exactly great. right. And so you put out that signal, people come together, projects happen, lives get changed, communities get built, houses get built, barns get built, businesses get built, recreation gets had, brotherhood gets had. And you, you know, step-by-step step do something positive for yourself and for your community. And if enough people do that all around, then we'll have like a patchwork of these things. And then eventually when the institutions implode on themselves, we can have our networks there staying open. And so then the, the beauty of the network is that it doesn't have the same motivations as an institution, right? Like we just said earlier, the institution's goal is to pervert, preserve itself. Mm-hmm. And the network's goal is to provide value or to provide the pro the plausible promise. And networks can rise and fall based on their effectiveness. So you can you can engage with a network or disengage from a network at your leisure. So we have to provide a, a superior network. We have to provide a superior network. The institutions are there. Is there a public education institution that you can you know choose different? Most cases not. Is there a, a university system you can choose differently? Most cases not. Is there a media institution? Now there is. There are media outlets now that you can choose and people do. Is there a government that you can choose differently? Now. So that's <laughs> that's on the spectrum of the of the evolution of the networks. But 
in the future, networks are going to provide you most, most all of the things that your institutions provided you in the past. Education, recreation, arts and culture, language, finance, economics, safety, land, security. You can get these things from a network and you will begin to replace the institutions and replace the utility that you used to get from institutions with the utility that you get from a network. And they will only stay as long as they provide value. And if they don't, then they fall apart. And then that that's much more efficient. It's considered an open market for, you know, type of institutional behavior that was once provided that are that by the institutions have been totally captured. Right. And it's and voluntary, I, which is beautiful because you it, get to select it. You, it's voluntary. You can come and go. Um, they rise and fall. They rise and fall together. They form natural alliances. They come into phase right? They come into mm -hmm. coherence. Uh, and that's why the content game is so important mm -hmm. because you're putting out signal into the universe. And in my case with the liminal order and with our community, I put out signal into the universe and it translates into opportunities and things for the guys who participate in the network. You do the same thing in some various ways. Uh, and it's just the more signal you can put out, the more people you can attract to that signal and then the more of a community you can build around that. And once you get a critical mass, then, you know, amazing things start to happen. Uh, the content game, it's its where it starts. Because if you're not putting out content, if you're not putting the signal out there, then no one's going to find you. Yep. And, and because this is information war and we're all on the battlefield, whether we want to be or not, you've right. been recruited, dude. Everybody. Yep. There are no... There are no distinctions between military and civilian anymore. Uh, we're all part of this information war. So if you're going to be involved, you might as well do a good job of it. Get informed, yep. understand, at least be able to defend yourself, right? At least be able to defend your mind space. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, on the better. More important than ever. Yeah. But on the more proactive side, you know, put out the signal and attract people that share your values so that you can build a community. It's beautiful, man. I, I it immediately comes to mind is the Free State Project in New Hampshire, which is uh, this libertarian community that is a network. And obviously, you know, because of my show, I've had I don't even know half a dozen people that that have moved there. And uh, I will be speaking at Porkfest next or two oh, weeks nice. from now. Yeah, nice. so so I will actually get to see it firsthand. And and these are the the types of things that I I really believe can, you know, without violently overthrowing the government but can supplement or supplicate it or whatever the terminology is where you get to have voluntary associations that that are more productive um and just more holistic more healthy and uh ultimately i'm i'm thrilled that you've created your own i think it's a beautiful thing and i i wish you great success in the future with it uh go ahead and tell people where they can follow you man uh, by the way this this conversation was tremendous and i really appreciate your time hey man my, my pleasure love doing it uh, at Jack Murphy Live on Twitter or go to uh, the Liminal Order. Uh, the webpage is liminal-order.com. And, you know, we've got hundreds of guys all across the United States. We've got coming up in September, we're all coming together onto a member's farm and we're going to uh, take down of a barn. We're going to burn it and then we're going to build a new one for him. Wow. And we're going to build, cool. we're going to build a fence, fences and pens and a new barn. Uh, Ed, because he's taken over his family farm and it's in disrepair. And, uh, you know, our goals are to teach, teach guys how to, you know, take care of themselves. Not like survivalist, right? But like, sure. we all, we all want to have our, 
food food sovereignty in the future is going to be really important. How to build mm-hmm. things is going to be important. It is important today. Doing it together with a bunch of your bros even more important. So we're all going to go to this guy's farm, and for like four or five days, we're going to you know help him raise a barn and get his farm in working order. And that's just the kind of thing we do. But we we mostly have coders and carpenters, but all builders, right? So we have a ton of tech guys, and we're all just looking to build. Build, build, build. It's like one of the most masculine things you can do is build. Yep. And uh, so check us out at liminal-order.com. Um, Clint, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great to uh, have a chance just to to rant a yeah, little man. bit, unimpeded, Absolutely. unimpeded. And, you know, drawing it all the way back to our beginning conversation, you can, you can change the way you feel about the world just based on where you put your attention. Mm-hmm. And if you can put your attention on building something positive and building community and building relationships, well, then you can have a much more positive life than if you just sit around and you just doom scroll on your phone. Absolutely. Now I, I can hear in the back of my mind, I can hear uh, my, my uh, father-in-law telling me, well, look, you can, you can be left alone as long as you want until you get Ruby ridged or Waco. Like, okay. <laughs> it's true. It, it is, is true, but it is true. So, you can't just completely forget about the federal situation. You can't just completely forget about the national situation, but at the very least, do not just simply focus on the national news of the day. Spend most of your time building your local communities or even national communities. But uh, uh, when I say local, I mean like close to your soul, build those local communities and local uh, in person and build something positive while this is all going on uh, at the same time, don't just sit around and doom scroll, guys. Not that your audience would, but just like in general, man, it's just yeah, it's bad for the soul. It is, and and uh, you know, because of my little mini network here, I have gotten to meet so many incredible people that are building. That you know, no matter how much I doom scroll, I constantly get to have conversations like the one we just had, where I get to you know be reminded of the beauty in the world and that. Uh, there are people out there that that see the same things that we do and they are actually doing something about it. So there's no no point in being distraught when you know that. So uh, thank you so much for the time, Jack. That was hey, uh, my pleasure, Clint. I really Bye appreciate buddy. it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, you know, take care, buddy. See you soon. Today's episode is also brought to you by Expat Money Summit. It is an upcoming online summit by my friend, Mikkel Thorup, who has been on the show uh, from expatmoney.com with over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. It's free to attend. Just go to expatmoneysummit.com, and it'll give you a chance to reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty, much of the chaos and uncertainty that I am discussing right now with Jack Murphy. Uh, Topics will include how to secure your own plan B safe haven, how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, how to legally reduce your tax burden, how and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals, where the best countries are in the world to find freedom for yourself and your family, how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. Uh, You will learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy independent towns in Latin America. You can register now for free. Cash and nothing. Go to expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. Welcome, everybody, to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown. We are now in round two. Uh, this morning, I had on 
Jack Murphy, which was a, a very interesting conversation. This is going to be totally different, but I am joined once again by my friend and our hero, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Welcome in, sir. Oh, pleasure, Clint. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. I missed you the past couple of weeks. I realize uh, our schedules are a little wacky, but I'm glad we're we're both back on the saddle. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm I'm off the the COVID uh, IR, the <laughs> injured reserve list, so I'm feeling good now, and it's great. Um, so I wanted to start today with talking to you a little bit about what happened with Justice Kavanaugh yesterday. Obviously, the media is not covering it very much, um, and I figured you'd probably have some some strong opinions on it. There's the early reporting is that there was a man with all sorts of like not just a weapon but zip ties and all sorts of craziness that was right outside of judge uh, Kavanaugh's home he allegedly self-reported and got arrested but in in their conversations with him he said that he was there to assassinate him um so i don't really know where to go with this question other than to just say can you believe we live in this country? Can can you believe we're here? Has this ever happened before? Do you know of any historical uh, precedent? That's, that is a very good question. I know of no Supreme Court justice uh, who was ever assassinated, and and I know of no Supreme Court justice who was ever injured uh, in an assassination attempt. You know, there's a number of, of moving parts here, uh, Clinton. It's a very good uh, question. So here are the moving parts. The Supreme Court has four very profound opinions ready to come out. Uh, one is the state of Maine says if you live too far uh, from a public school, we'll pay you to go to a private school, but not a Catholic school. The other is uh, this, this Catholic uh, coach uh, for a high school football team wants to say a little prayer at halftime and the school fired him. The third one is abortion that's triggered all this with the leak of Sam Alito's opinion. Right. Uh, and the fourth is the, the right to carry guns, which is a review of the New York opinion. All four of these are very, very hot, and they're about to come down in the next few weeks. And the Supreme Court has, according to leaked information, not a big fan of Nina Totenberg at NPR, but she does have contacts in D.C. Mm -hmm. And she said last night and this morning that her contacts are telling her that the court has become a very, very difficult and unhappy place to work. Justice Thomas alluded to that uh, in a speech that he made about three weeks ago, and he actually blamed some of it uh, on the Chief Justice. Add to this, Chief Justice has directed the U.S. Marshal in charge of protecting the court. She, the U.S. Marshal, has 250 deputy marshals that work for her. So he has, she has assigned those marshals to protect the justices. So when this kid from California got out of a taxi, at 1.05 in the morning in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, two U.S. Marshals saw him and thought, oh, that's odd. Before they could even approach him, this kid gets on his phone, dials 911, and said, I'm out here to kill Justice Kavanaugh, and I might kill myself. I'm also suicidal. Wow. Well, this, of course, produced an armada of police who arrived. This is, this is not Uvalde. These police arrived in a nanosecond. Uh, the kid was arrested, and you're right. He had a handgun. He had many rounds in that backpack. He had zip ties. I don't know what he was going to do with them. Uh, and he had a knife. The question is, what would have happened if the marshals had not been there? The bigger question is the, the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a culture of death. Uh, the government allows babies to be slaughtered in the womb. The government glorifies the military. 
The government spends more on the military than the next 12 nations combined, which includes Russia and China. We have 750 military installations uh, around the world. Uh, the government uh, executes people. The government has no respect for the dignity of the human life or the belief that a person, once evil, once bad, can become a good person. It's not much of a leap from that culture of death to some crazy kid thinking, ah, I can save the abortion cause if I can take care of Kavanaugh right now before he signs that opinion. It's yeah. reprehensible that we have this culture in our society. I blame it on a government too big, too fat, too bankrupt, spends too much money, takes away too much freedom. Whether you call their taking away freedom, taxation or regulation, same thing, takes right. away uh, human freedom and it glorifies militarism. Where this ends, I don't know. I, I was not in favor of Justice Kavanaugh's appointment because of this. Mm -hmm. What's in here? Everything. Financial, medical, personal, uh, professional, in Justice Kavanaugh's world, the government does not need uh, a search warrant to get in there. Yeah, the Supreme crazy. Court has not yet ruled on this. It doesn't mean he should be killed. Of course he shouldn't be killed. No, yeah. Uh, the other part of this is that the Senate has passed legislation to make the protection of uh, Supreme Court justices equivalent to the vice president, which would up this level of protection significantly. Mrs. Pelosi is sitting on that in the House. I'm not in favor of spending money. But if they're going to spend any money, they should spend it on keeping these justices alive. The Supreme Court consists of nine human beings who have the final say on what the Constitution means, like it or not. They are infallible because they're final. They're not final because they're infallible. That's not me. That's Justice Robert uh, Jackson, an FDR <clears throat> uh, appointee who would bitterly disappoint FDR on the court. So I'm kind of fond of Justice Jackson. <laughs> well, this is a it, it raises a fascinating thought experiment. Had something really dramatic and catastrophic happened to Judge Kavanaugh from this alleged assassin, I mean, I could completely envision a, a world in which the Roe versus Wade decision doesn't get overturned, and now you have a completely radicalized pro-life movement that is like on a war footing. I mean, it like I don't know if people have really considered what could have happened yesterday. You ever thought about it? No, I have not thought about that. I guess I thought about it's almost unthinkable. You know, he's a young man. You may not like yeah. him, but it just shouldn't happen. But if it did, uh Biden would have a chance to flip the court. Yeah, exactly. Because he he would uh, nominate another Katanji Brown Jackson and that would flip the court. This That would change a, a George Bush conservative style Republican. This is not a libertarian. This is not no. a Neil Gorsuch. Um, for a, a progressive, if, if the Senate were willing to go along with it. I don't know if this kid thought this through or what his motive was or uh, if there's anybody behind him. He's 26 years old. I don't know what his employment was. How did he get these weapons? Yeah. To Maryland, you can't carry them on a plane. Did he drive all the way? How many yeah. crimes did he commit? By did he get a cab the entire way? That's a very expensive cab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all. I'm, I'm it's glad. I'm glad that they caught him. But look, if if Sam Alito's opinion had not been released and that kid showed up at one of the 
105 in the morning, those marshals wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Yep. The flip side of that is, would this kid have even shown up if the I, I, had not been released? I don't think so. I don't think that kid's there if not for the leak. And that, that raises my very next question. I mean, we first started discussing this. I don't know if it was six weeks ago, two months ago, whenever it was. Um, we didn't know who the leaker was today. I still don't know who the leaker was and I and I don't under, or who the leaker is and I don't understand how that's possible. I, do you think that they have the answer and they're just not publicly telling us? Yes, I think they do have the answer. It's hard okay. for me to believe that they would be working in an environment of suspicion and fear. There's only 45 or 50 of them in the inner core. I'm talking about the nine justices. They each have four clerks. The chief has five. Each of the justices has a personal assistant who's not a law clerk but who, not a lawyer, but who does have access, legal access to the documents that come on the justice's desk. So you're talking about maybe 50 people. Now, the U.S. Marshals who are conducting the investigation, some of them are ex-FBI agents. They know how to conduct investigations. Right. Some of them are, I'll be really candid with you, the reason the U.S. Marshals is because they couldn't get into the FBI. So they're a different caliber of person. They are accustomed to protecting people in buildings. They are not accustomed to interrogating people. Mm. This morning, it was revealed that some of these law clerks, and they are the best and the brightest recent law school graduates, they all have to clerk for another federal judge or judge on the highest state court of a state before they can even be considered a clerk on the Supreme Court. So they're about 25, 26 years old two, three years out of uh, law school. Mm -hmm. the, the U.S. Marshal, a woman in charge of uh, protecting the court, has demanded their cell phones. It was very, very troublesome. Well, who owns the phone? Did the federal government issue the phone? Do the feds own it? Who owns the software? Who owns the uh, server? Uh, if I were a clerk and they demanded my phone, I'd hire the best lawyer I could in Washington, D.C. I mean, the thought of a law clerk hiring a lawyer to resist the request of the Chief Justice of the United States is just mind-boggling. Yeah, That's where this uh, leaked Alito opinion <clears throat> has brought us. Goodness I don't goodness. know if I answered your, your question. I'm sort of thinking aloud. I have such fondness for you and for your audience that I, 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 oh, no. he, I think aloud with you guys. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible state of affairs uh this just one leak and all the domino things that have happened as a result of it so i think they know who the leaker is and i think they have their work done and they're just waiting to release the opinions but boy if they're reconsidering these four hot button opinions that i just summarized because of this leak that is wrong 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 that means the intimidator has prevailed yeah yeah and and now the physical embodiment of the intimidation tactics which is the potential assassin uh it it's just it's just almost too crazy to believe honestly like it's it really is mind-blowing and now we have uh matthew mcconaughey's up on capitol hill giving his uh you know best hollywood interpretation of why we should give up our gun rights uh i am well needless to say i'm disappointed in mcconaughey but i'm not exactly surprised i mean a hollywood guy you would expect him to have some sort of opinion and i know he's from uvaldi and that you know that gives him i don't know why but it gives him some reason to be able to speak up there but ultimately you know he wouldn't have been given that opportunity if he wasn't going to get up there and lobby in favor 
of uh, you know the gun grabber lobby. So uh, I, I'm just curious. I guess first off, do you think that the Senate will pass this stuff, and and is there a constitutional argument that you can actually ban semi-automatic rifles from someone up to 21 years old, given that we have an active draft process for people that are younger than that, where they will be handed a gun and go told to kill God knows how many people across the globe. It just seems so crazy to me. Okay. Yeah. Look, Justice Scalia characterized the right to keep and bear arms as a right. It's not a privilege. It's a right. A right right is a personal claim comes from your humanity, your right to live, your right to think as you wish, say what you think, publish what you say, defend yourself. Uh, a right is a claim against the whole world. It doesn't require the government's permission. Once you give the government the power to grant or hold back its permission, then it's not a right. It's a privilege, like driving on a government highway. You speed too many times, they take your license away from you. That's mm-hmm. not a right. It's a privilege. But the right to defend yourself using the same modern techniques as the government uses, not my language, Justice Scalia's claim, is a right. It's a claim against the whole world. And, and there's no opportunity for a governmental bureaucrat to intrude. That is at least the theoretical Scalia, but in, in our case, libertarian argument about all rights. They are all sure. claims against the world. No law in the First Amendment means no law. Okay. What is the Congress going to do? Our dear friend in the Republican Party, Senator Lindsey Graham, I, I speak with tongue in cheek. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, is uh, pushing uh, money that the feds don't have, so they'll borrow it, to uh, fund red flag laws. There are a few things more unconstitutional than red flag laws. So in Florence in the 1440s, You could put somebody's name in a box in the back of a church, and then the government would look at that name and say, oh, a public sinner. We're going to have to torture this person until they confess and find out who their their sexual partners have been on the basis of the secret submission of that name. Coming here now, somebody makes an anonymous complaint. I saw Clint Russell. I saw Judge Lapalo Catano get angry the other day. And they have weapons. I think you better take their weapons away from them so that they don't have the weapons available when they get angry. And then there's no trial. The the court just sends the police to take it. There are a few things that violate due process more than taking liberty or property without due process. The Fifth Amendment is right on point with respect to the feds. The 14th Amendment is right on point with respect to the states and all the subdivisions under the states. Lindsey Graham doesn't care because he's part of the governmental clique that believes that if they do something, anything, even something absurd, counterproductive, and unconstitutional, they can go back and say to the base, hey, we did something. I hope it doesn't pass. If it does, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be challenged. Yeah. Well, it does, it does seem like there's a lot of momentum. I mean, we there was 10 congressmen in the House that are Republicans. That voted for this insanity and uh you know uh, i hate to rely on the senate because it's so razor thin as it is that you really only need a handful of defectors and and all of a sudden that's where we're at and i, you know, I it, have had many um 
run-ins with Senator McConnell, and I've had many happy conversations with him. I would hope he would prevent this monstrosity, whether it comes from Lindsey Graham or not, from even coming to the floor. I know, man. He Talk about rhino uh, bona fides if he allows this to to proceed it's just it's just amazing i mean with these like that you actually had uh, i forget which uh democratic senator it was that was asked by thomas massey that massey geniusly says uh well then will you allow me to amend this bill to increase the selective service to 21 years old seeing as you're saying that they don't have the brain development to own a semi-automatic rifle at 19 and 20 years old and he goes, no, <laughs> you know, like we have to have fresh bodies for the military. And he's like, even though their brains aren't fully developed. And he's like, well, yes. I mean, it's just. Well, it's Senator, just uh, they can vote for you at 18 with their non-fully developed uh, brains. <laughs> it, it is troublesome any statute that would take a class of persons, class of consenting adults, and diminish their rights. That is on its face unconstitutional we're not talking about five-year-olds we're talking about 18-year-olds yeah yeah and i i've been uh just look at the, the gun crowd is crazy because they think that somebody willing to slaughter innocents whether it be in a, in a supermarket <laughs> or a public school is somehow willing to obey gun laws we we have these tragedies because we are emasculated because we can't defend ourselves even the great state of texas prohibits guns in schools. 137 school districts have asked for exemptions and they were all granted. How many killings have there been in those 137 school districts? It's an easy number to remember. Zero. <laughs> yep. I know it's, it's really, uh, it just doesn't matter. Like you have all the, all the actual hard evidence on your side that if you rem remove these uh, gun-free zones, it makes the kids safer, and it just doesn't matter. The, the, yeah. the push Ask is Gary, my producer, to send this to you. So we, of course, found uh, a photograph of the sign not far from the school in Ovalde that said you're entering a gun-free school zone, which is like saying, hey, come shoot fish in a barrel. Yep. Then we found a sign in front of another school in another part of Texas that said the children in this school are protected by armed guards who will not hesitate to use their superior firepower if necessary. We posted that on Judging Freedom. 680,000 clicks on that sign. Wow. So ask, ask Gary to send it to you so that you can get it out. That sign should be everywhere in front of every school in the country. I couldn't agree more. Um, so I'll get you out of here on this. I, I am now kind of becoming a specialist in this topic called ESG. I'm going to be speaking at Porkfest on it. I'm going to be speaking at Freedom Fest on it. I don't know how I ended up becoming a specialist in what, this topic. What is ESG? Yeah, ESG is Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's a uh, Secretary General Kofi Annan of the UN back in 2004 sends out this letter to 50 CEOs uh, across the globe, and he says, we need to get away from shareholder capitalism and shift towards stakeholder capitalism. And Klaus Schwab uh, of the World Economic Forum, as well as Larry Fink, the, the CEO of BlackRock, have pro um, popularized this concept of focusing on environmental, social, and governance, which is essentially the, the way that they have backdoored wokeism into not just corporate America, but the corporate world worldwide. Um, so this is this is why you see advertise. This is why Disney, uh, you know, now wants to propagandize your kids into you know all sorts of sexual progressivism. 
because it helps with ESG scores. And if you aren't woke, you don't get a high enough ESG score, which means that the biggest money managers in the world, be it BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, they will divest of holding your stock. And these guys have over $30 trillion under management, which means that they have a tremendous amount of sway and every uh, Fortune 500 company is is willing to bend the knee. So this obviously- so get, get Peter Thiel to start some stock fund and tell Larry Fink to go fly a kite. I, I, I couldn't agree more. So you already have a one of the answers. Um, there is actually Vivek Ramaswamy is creating an ETF, uh, I think along with Thiel and some others, uh, called Strive Asset Management, which is going to try and compete head-to-head. -head. The issue, though, is that it's highly probable that this type of mentality and behavior is being fomented by their relationship, BlackRock and all these guys' relationship with the Federal Reserve. So how can you compete if you do not have the access to the Fed window that these guys have? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And I think that ultimately we have to end the Federal Reserve to actually get away from this stuff. But I'm curious if, uh, I guess, uh, attempting to compete in the free market is is our best bet in the meantime. I, I have a friend on the Supreme Court, I won't tell you the person's name, who thinks the Federal Reserve is unconstitutional. Woo! I like him or her. And uh, <laughs> another friend who thinks that the, um, the uh, legal tender cases after the Civil War were improperly decided under the Constitution. Wow. So maybe those things should get back before the court. Oh Enough my goodness. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, then that's that's breaking news. I, that that's that's the white pill I needed for today. Anyways, thank you so much. Uh everybody, please go subscribe to Judging Freedom. It is Judge's show and it is phenomenal. Uh has the best guests, best interviews and uh just the best coverage as you know and love because you get to see him every Thursday. So well, we might be Judging Freedom might be the only podcast that covers the Constitution every day a half dozen times a day and i'm deeply grateful for the many many thousands that uh, have come to us it's incredible uh, either on uh youtube or on my new friend tiktok <laughs> tiktok i, I might it. be the oldest person on tiktok but i have a lot of young people that like what we say <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Never stop. Never stop evolving, no matter uh, the technology or the age associated with you. So uh, hey, thank you again, Judge. It was a blast. All, all the best, Clint. Thanks for having me on. I want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I really appreciate the support. Uh, couldn't be doing this without you. And I am just thrilled to be contributing in some small way to our community. It means the world to me. I feel like I am living out my life streams and it's all because of you guys. And I want to thank you guys for going to Apple Podcasts and leaving five-star reviews or wherever you leave them, Spotify, wherever you want to leave a review. Really appreciate it. Here's two more five-star reviews that we just got. It says Native Texican, eye-opening. Thanks for explaining what's really going on in our financial markets in a manner that even a simpleton like me understands what is looming. I get it now. Thank you. It almost seems to be intentional. Good thing they would never do something like that. Yeah, they would never. They would never do something like that. And we got Shark Face Killer says, wake up. Great information and very eye-opening. Thank you, guys. Uh, I think I already read this one, but PB Jen said, uh, one of my favorite podcasts. Great work, Clint. What's up with the 20 minutes missing at the end of Robbie the Fire episode? That my audio messes up sometimes. So you could check that one out on YouTube, Odyssey, wherever you're watching this, and you'll be able to see the last 20 minutes. But the audio version, it clipped the last 20 minutes. I'm very, very, very sorry about it. But we are approaching 400 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, so keep those coming in really does mean the world to me. And last but not least, if you want to get a sick shirt from my boy Top Lobster, 
go to toplobster.com and search for Liberty Lockdown merch. This is one of them. Got the double guns in the back. Uh, the one I really love, though, is the uh, the circular logo. It's killer. I wore it at uh, at Reno, and everyone was like, yo, where can I get one of those? So if you guys would like to get one just to spread the word about the show, it's a really easy way to do do so. And it, uh, you know, even if you don't tell them that it's a podcast, it doesn't like stand out that it is. Trust me, people get the idea of your political affiliation if you're wearing a couple guns on your chest uh, that say Liberty Lockdown. They're like, okay, I know where this guy's coming from. So again, go to toplobster.com. Thank you guys. See you soon. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood lefties lyrical feffinin' A typo and Luke might bring them nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running out, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic, I rip for 59 Miles to ratio, that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war, but we're ready You know I be bopping in rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe